0: Hi everyone. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Impact, and I pray that you will be blessed by this time spent in God's holy word. You might be expecting to hear from Professor Geiger today on John 4, but plans have changed. That two-part episode will return in early October. Today you will hear an episode on Revelation. Our guest is fantastic. Thank you again for listening and enjoy today's episode.
1: Welcome to IMPACT, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. IMPACT features interviews with gifted Bible teachers that will help you better understand Scripture so it will have a greater impact on your life. The host of IMPACT is Mark Genstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew.
0: Hi, everyone. It's great to have you listening to this podcast. I invite you to listen each week. The guests that agree to come on this podcast are all so gifted in their ability to help us grow in our understanding of God's Word, and certainly God uses this time in His Word to strengthen our faith. This is time truly well spent. I'll introduce my guest in a moment. We're in Revelation today, Revelation chapter 12. Let's begin with a prayer. Dear Holy Spirit, your word is precious and powerful. May we treasure your word, be steadfast in your word, live your word, and have an eagerness to share your word. Bless our time together today. Amen. So I got up this morning. It's a Friday morning, and I drove two hours northwest. So that's a hint. I started in Madison. So if you go northwest from Madison two hours, you arrive in Appleton, Wisconsin. I've been here before at Fox Valley Lutheran High School, and my guest has been here before as well. Pastor Eric Shazer, welcome back.
2: Thanks, Mark, for having me. I appreciate the uh, uh, the chance to obviously uh, catch up with you, but also the opportunity to talk talk about God's word and share share some thoughts on that.
0: Very good, and we'll be in Revelation today, chapter twelve. I'm always uh, very thankful of the guests that come on this podcast and their willingness to come on and, and the time that they devote to preparing and then uh, sitting in the chair and talking with me about scripture. Today, I especially appreciate you, Pastor, because you are in the middle of a move. So you put your moving boxes down this morning and came into work just for impact. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for the opportunity, Mark. Yeah, we're in the process of moving uh, so closer did... to closer to FVL. so oh. it's it's a three or four day process here of boxes and furniture and things like that. So, uh, my wife thankfully gave me a gave me an hour or so off here so I could <laughs> sneak away.
0: Okay, so I guess you clarified. Just you're moving closer to FVL. You didn't take a call that I don't know about.
2: No, no, just just trying to move closer. We're at a little different stage in our lives.
0: So I wanted to get closer where we're going to be more often. Okay, very good. Last time we had you on impact, we talked about Revelation chapter 13. So we're going backwards, Revelation chapter 12. In chapter 13, we see Satan, uh, the dragon, how he uses two beasts, the government, and false teachings of the church as his allies, in his war against the Church of God, that's my summary of chapter thirteen. How's that?
2: That was pretty good. That uh, the corrupt government, how the Lord, and this is this is any government. There's that mistaken impression that sometimes the U.S. and our government is the best, and nobody else uh, can do it like we can. But the Lord uses uh, corrupt governments, and that would be any government throughout history here to affect the Church, and uh, then also as you mentioned. Uh, the corrupt church itself, false teachings within the church that lead people astray.
0: Today, the preceding chapter, chapter 12, I'll, I'll have you set it up for us a little bit, and give us an overview of the chapter. But before that, you're a teacher of revelation here at Fox Valley. So uh, a lot of our listeners... Well, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for our listeners. I presume a lot of our listeners, like many of uh, the people that I've talked to about Revelation, are a little bit intimidated by this book and, and a little bit uh, unsure in their understanding of this book. So with that in mind, can you give us a tip or two that is helpful uh, as we plow our way through Revelation that will help us understand these words better? Mark, I
2: teach uh, Revelation as part of modern church history. So we sort of go back to the early Christian church, and we spend about three weeks, three, four weeks in Revelation. And it's interesting you say that, because I asked the kids, who has studied Revelation before? And out of a group of 20, 25, 30 kids, usually it's like one or two hands uh, go up and say, yep, I've looked at this before or studied it before, I think you're right. It is very intimidating for a lot of people. and uh, it it shouldn't be. I understand why it is because of all the imagery and things and all the different interpretations that are out there. I mean, you go to a Christian bookstore and there's there's tons of books about what revelation really means. or you can find seminar seminars. Going on about unlocking the mysteries of Revelation, and I guarantee you that most of those are not uh, even close to what Revelation is talking about. So I get the being intimidated by it, uh, but it's really, it's really actually pretty simple. And I know we talked about this when we did go through chapter thirteen, but uh, biblical interpretation, uh, and this doesn't just pertain to Revelation, but the Bible uh, as a whole. Uh, the great thing is the Lord speaks to us just like you and I speak to each other. And you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you were on the road from Madison to Appleton and it took you about two hours to get here. Well, everybody listening and me sitting here, we all realized you traveled from Madison to Appleton and it took you about two hours to get here. There wasn't some deeper meaning to that or anything. You were speaking literally about your trip up here this morning. Uh, that's the way the Lord speaks to us, and he speaks to us uh, literally, except when it's obvious he's speaking figuratively. And, and we talk to each other the same way. Uh, if uh, you stopped at uh, a gas station and, and got a, uh, like a breakfast sandwich, and you had told me that the breakfast sandwich was garbage— I would realize that you didn't literally mean the breakfast sandwich like it was made with garbage. I understand that. You weren't speaking literally. You were speaking figuratively. It just didn't taste very good. Uh, And that's the same way the Lord speaks to us. We take him literally unless it's obvious he's speaking figuratively. And Revelation is apocalyptic literature, which is picture language telling the future. And so this is obvious. The Lord is speaking in images and, and pictures It's obvious that he's speaking to us figuratively, and so with that, he is teaching us a a bunch of things, and we can figure out, just like anything else. We uh, take the Lord literally, except when it's obvious he's speaking figuratively, and if we're not sure what, what picture or image he's trying to give us or what he's trying to say to us, guess what? The Lord does a great job of explaining himself. that's why if you had told me something about your trip and I wasn't sure what you meant, uh, I would just ask you, because you were on the trip, and you would tell me what you meant. Well, the same thing is true of God and his word. If you're not sure what something means, he does a great job in other parts of his word in clear, simple, literal passages of explaining himself. And so that's what we do as we look through Revelation. A lot of it uh, is pretty obvious what the Lord is talking about. As we look back in the rest of Scripture, we can see, oh, that's what the Lord is saying to us. And it's some wonderful comforting imagery and, and words and, and reminders that he gives us, that in the end, despite all the difficulties that we see in our own lives and in our world, um, Jesus wins in the end. And that's the, the message of Revelation.
0: Okay, Uh specific Today is chapter 12, so folks, when you have a chance, if you're unable to have your Bible open with us today to Revelation chapter 12, take time to read this chapter. Pastor Shazer, can you tell us what or who we will encounter in chapter 12 and why this is such an important chapter?
2: Well, Mark, we're at the beginning of John's fourth vision, and this is the seven visions here. Uh, it's like all the other visions of Revelation. Revelation is divided into uh, to seven visions, and the number seven, of course, is a, a number pertaining to God's plan for the earth and, and you know what's going to happen, what's going to unfold. And this is the, the fourth vision, the beginning of it anyway, uh, and all the visions are the same, Jesus through Judgment Day, Jesus through Judgment Day, Jesus through Judgment Day, And just giving us different pictures. The Lord understands that that's, you know, it's like painting something, and he's painting a picture. It's just using different images. And then the next vision, he goes and he does the same thing, just using different pictures. Uh, So that's very, very beneficial, but he knows how we operate and how we like to see
0: these different pictures of things. And he does that here in Revelation. Okay, so chapter 12 in my Bible, the NIV is titled, The Woman and the Dragon, I'm pretty sure I know this. The dragon is Satan. We see him again uh, in in the next chapter. I already talked about that. Who's the woman? Uh, And that's, I didn't answer your question, Mark, about chapter 12.
2: Who are we going to encounter here? And that's the other big one. Obviously, the revelation makes it clear that the dragon is the devil. And we talked about uh, that when we talked about chapter 13. But uh, the woman here is the church, believers, uh, believers in Jesus. And we'll talk some more about it as we go.
0: Okay, I want to read verse 1, and I have a question about the description of this woman. It starts with this, A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So the question is about this description of the woman clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, crown of 12 stars. Can you help us understand that?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of things there. And first of all, the woman. How is the church or how are believers often described in Scripture? Here's an example of looking back and seeing in clear, simple passages what is the Lord talking about? We are described as the bride of Christ. And so here here the woman, the church, the bride of Christ, uh, clothed with the sun. Uh, this is the through faith, the perfection that we share with Jesus, think of Jesus' transfiguration, you know, his face shone like the sun. You and I are perfect, just like that. Uh, the moon under, under her feet, uh, that, we, that we share in Jesus, you know, we reflect his light like the moon reflects the light of the sun. Uh, we we reflect his light, and and we rule. This is a common theme in Revelation, too, is ruling over all things. We rule with Jesus right now. We rule with him. We are a part of his kingdom. And then the last one, the 12 stars, that is, uh, again, a common, uh, common number in Revelation. And you think of all the 12s in the Bible, you know, the 12 disciples, the 12 tribes of Israel, Revelation uses that number 12 to describe just believers, God's people. Uh, And uh, then the crown uh, that she is wearing is uh, just the crown of victory, uh, the eternal victory we have through Jesus and through God's
0: plan of salvation. And then in verse 3, we hear about this red dragon, Satan. My question is, he's described as having seven heads and crowns and ten horns. You said earlier that seven is... God's number, so why would the devil, Satan, have seven heads and seven crowns?
2: Yeah, that number seven in Revelation, God's plan for the earth and God carrying out uh, his divine plan for everything. What does the Bible tell us about about the devil? He masquerades as an angel of light, so that's why the devil has seven heads. He's masquerading or pretending... Uh, to be bringing uh, uh, good messages and good things. And isn't that the de- way the devil works as the deceiver, right? Trying to get us to think that he really knows what's right and what's good and what's best. Um, Mark, I don't know if we want to talk uh, some more about the devil here. I think this description of him is uh, pretty—it's um, pretty interesting when you really think about it. That uh, you know he's red, so it's a giant red dragon. It's giant because of his his power and his influence over the world, uh, the potential for for damage or, or danger or harm. Uh, the red you think of, and this again is uh, used throughout Revelation uh, the the bloodshed. And, and the war and, and the harm and all those things that the devil has inflicted, and death. Um, the crown he's wearing, it says uh, the heads have a crown on them. It's interesting that the word used here is a different word than, than the eternal crown of victory. This is a, a diadem, and it's like one that the Roman emperors used to wear, indicating... Or falsely that they were like gods, and so it's a fake. It's a fake crown. So he's trying to give the impression that he is in a position of power and and godlike when he's not. And then uh, the horn. He's got ten horns on these seven heads. The the horn is a symbol of power that's used throughout scripture, uh, and the number ten again is a revelation number, where it means complete or or something is limited. Uh, Back in uh, chapter 2, the church in Smyrna, they were told that they were going to be imprisoned for 10 days. Not literally 10 days, because it's picture language, so the Lord is speaking figuratively, but it's talking about just a limited period of time. We don't know how long it lasted, two weeks, two months, whatever. Same is true here, the ten horns, it means that the devil's power is limited. It has a beginning and it has an end. And the Lord, obviously, is in charge of how much power the devil has. So that's that description of the devil there.
0: Okay, so I guess uh, my summary, based on uh, what you just said, is uh, we're told here that the devil is powerful, but he's a fraud, and he's inferior to one with more power. And that, of course, is the woman. uh, uh, Well, that, of course, is, is Jesus. The head of the church, which the church is the woman, right? Yep. Okay, so I'm trying to track all this. Yep, verse, verse 4, his tail, this is the dragon, this is Satan, his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Is this, does this go back to Satan's rebellion against God?
2: Yeah, this is talking about that initial rebellion against the Lord where the devil uh, takes uh, not just himself, but the other angel's Uh, And they fall away uh, from from the Lord and uh, lose their place in heaven. And it's also, you know, that power, the power the devil has is also
0: pictured or indicated there. It's hard to understand why the devil would think that he could be successful in a rebellion against God.
2: It's, it's nonsensical. But I, I think that, too, if you look out at our world, you go, wait a minute, we've got, you and I sit here, Mark, and I know if if I drop dead right here in the middle of this podcast, uh, hopefully you'll edit that part out, but uh, if that happens, I know a 100% for sure I am going to heaven. Why? Because the Lord has given me the gift of faith, He's lived a perfect life for me. He died for my sins and promised to take me to heaven. He's done all the work for me from beginning to end, and I'm all about free stuff. So it's free, and there's not anything I have to do, and it, it just boggles my mind that that is not appealing to more people. You know, so many people in our world, and I know it's our sinful nature likes to, you know, that uh, opinion of the law that we like to think that we can do something, we can earn something from God. But yet, the fact that God says it's all free, and I, you look at the devil and go, why would you, why would you throw away a perfect, awesome existence with the the Creator of all things for, you know, what you've brought upon yourself. And what you've brought upon so many people in the world Uh, it's just nonsensical to me but unfortunately that's the nature of uh, the devil as we live in this world today
0: more from verse four back in the text it says the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born yeah some some say this is satan seeking to kill baby jesus when he was born in bethlehem and and uh, the devil used King Herod to go after Jesus. Do you, do you think this is a reference to that?
2: Definitely, and I think there's some other, other things tied in with that. You just think of all the, all the times throughout Jesus' life that the devil tried to devour him. You mentioned one, using King Herod to kill the, uh, the baby boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. Uh, you think of Jesus uh, 40 days in the wilderness, you know the temptation in the wilderness. Uh, you think of the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, obviously, Calvary, Jesus on the cross. You can think of uh, all the demon possessions, uh, people wanting to to kill Jesus or stone stone Jesus. Uh, even his own disciples, you know, trying to trying to get him uh, to stop or to not continue his his mission, uh, which was God's plan for him. So I, all of those fall into this category of the devil trying to use all sorts of different things or people to try and devour Jesus, to try and stop him from accomplishing
0: his goal. Unable to do that, the next verse says that she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. What's signified with this child ruling with an iron scepter?
2: Uh, David talks about this. He promised that the Savior uh, would come and would rule the enemies with an iron scepter, Uh, and that what he's talking about is just ruling, his rule in our hearts, you know, his rule uh, in us as Christians. Jesus rules in us, and so that's being described there.
0: I think of the Lord's Prayer Second, third, second petition, thy kingdom come. One of those early ones. (laughs) (laughs) Thy kingdom come. Aren't we asking that God would rule in our hearts? Yep. And also, you know, that he rule over
2: all things for the benefit of his people, which he's promised to do. So we're not asking him to do, we're just asking him to fulfill his, his promise to us.
0: Back in the text, the end of verse five says, and her child was snatched up to God And to His throne. What's going on there?
2: Uh, Talking about uh, Jesus' ascension, Him His being taken up into heaven.
0: Okay, that one I think I could have figured out. (laughs) Yeah,
2: easy one. It's a you know, as as the Lord takes us here in Revelation chapter twelve, He takes us through Jesus' life from the beginning, His birth, uh, to uh, the devil. You know, trying to continuously defeat Him. Uh, to uh, Jesus ultimately being taken up into heaven. It's going to talk a little bit about you know his his crucifixion and things like that. So it sort of takes us through Jesus' life using picture language.
0: And one thing I find about Revelation, and I guess this is true about any book of the Bible, is the more I read it, the more I study it, the more I uh, pray on it, uh, the more I understand it. And so I remember Professor Bruegge once said. Uh, when you're studying revelation reading revelation you get to something you don't quite understand just keep reading and so i've i've always used that advice and sometimes that means just keep reading it over and over and over
2: yep <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's sort of like a crossword puzzle i heard it described this way one time and it's sort of like a crossword puzzle where you know go you go through all your clues and then you go oh yeah i know that one that one's obvious and then there's a couple that you're not sure and then there's one you go oh yeah i know that one it's where you find those, find those easy ones, and then it helps you sort of fill in the blanks of maybe the more difficult clues. So that's the same, same sort of thing. You should just keep reading, and, and the Lord does start to fill in the blanks for you.
0: Verse 6 here, I'm wondering if this is a verse that is meant to be a verse of comfort. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days.
2: I think there's a couple things there, Mark, comfort and also reality in, in that verse. Uh, the reality is uh, life in this world is described as a desert. That's what's being described here is the New Testament era and how the Lord uh, takes care of believers during it. And it's described as a desert or a wilderness. That's a good reminder of the reality of life in this world. It is difficult. That's one of those promises that I think when you ask people, "What are some of the promises God has made to you, or Jesus has made?" and we've got all these awesome, all these awesome promises that the Lord has made, but one of the promises that very rarely gets mentioned is uh, that your life's going to be hard. You know, Jesus said, "You need to take up your cross and follow me," and He's talking about that theology of the cross, which is a whole different subject we could get into. But you know, life as a Christian is difficult. There's there's hardship. There's suffering. There's uh, temptation. And the devil wants nothing more than for us to to curse God and and fall away from the faith, and that's the, the constant struggle of life. With that in mind, what are some of the other words in that verse? Prepared for her by God, so the Lord knows, the Lord has a plan. What a wonderful comfort that is, that the Lord's prepared this life for us and all the opportunities we have to be lights to the world and share him with others And he's in the details in the good times and the bad times. And then also uh, the last part, again, taken care of. What a wonderful reminder. God will take care of us. The struggle we have is he doesn't take care of us all the time like we think he should or we want him to take care of us. Uh, but yet the Lord promises, I will take care of you, and I will take care of those most important things, what I know is best for you.
0: And that's where faith comes in, right? Trusting God's plan and trusting his promise to always take care of us.
2: And that's that's a big struggle for us, isn't it? Because we always, whenever we pray, or at least maybe I'm speaking only for myself, but I've already got a plan, and I've got it all laid out, and, Lord, uh, do this, do this, make this happen, do this, and everything's going to end up great. That's my plan. And the Lord's plan is usually something different and always better.
0: I think you put your finger on why why it is often a struggle for us to trust God, because, because we look at things going on in our lives and—, and we think sometimes that this is you know if if i had the power this is this is what i would do this is the direction i would take my life it doesn't always go that direction
2: and the lord the lord has a bigger picture in mind and we often have tunnel vision and we see this and the you know the how do we get there whereas the lord has a big picture in mind and he's got spiritual things in mind for us oftentimes what we have in mind for ourselves isn't uh isn't always uh, as closely connected to what's best for me spiritually uh, as it should be.
0: I want to read verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Verse 8, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him so that's seven through nine can you um at least give us something about this war in heaven and then i'm sure i'll have some follow-up questions mark if i can i just want to go back to verse six
2: one other thing we didn't talk about the uh, the woman being led out into the desert and then there's a number there that 1260 days i'm not really good at math but i did do it one time it's three and a half years and that again is uh, uh, it's half of seven, so it's a part of God's plan for the world. So it's that new. What's being described there is the New Testament age or era. I just wanted to mention that before we move on. Um, the war in heaven is that is that heaven, heaven or uh, sky? It could be. It could be either one of those probably. And I think there's a couple things. People smarter than me. Uh, couple things there, the battle for men's for people's souls and then also the battle uh, over Jesus at his crucifixion is is being described there. just that constant you know war against the devil uh, as we fight against him as the as the Lord's angels fight against him for us. Uh, and then obviously that fight uh, over Jesus at his crucifixion. So I think there's a couple things pictured there.
0: Okay, I, I know why God wants our soul with him in heaven for eternity because of his unmatched love that he has for all people of all times. Why does the devil want our souls with him in hell for eternity?
2: Because he's competitive. Uh, I think it's, it's one of those things where that is his aim and his goal. And even though hell, there is loneliness in hell, he wants nothing more than to be accompanied in his loneliness. And uh, that's going to be one of the, the tortures of hell. You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, I, I don't really care as long as my buddies are there with me but they don't understand, you know, how the Bible describes hell. It will be a place of, you know, loneliness and separation from God's, God's blessings and just how horrific it will be. And the devil wants nothing more than to not have to suffer by himself, even though he will be. And that's the ultimate goal is to try and draw as many people with him. Again, it goes back to your question: Why would the devil do this in the first place? Way back before creation, or you know, at uh, at the creation of the angels and the creation of the world, why why would he do that? I don't know if there's a there's a good answer uh, out there. I'm sure I'm sure there's we can speculate to know, but that's that's who he is. He is the accuser. He is the deceiver. That's what he does, and he is opposed to God. That is his life's work.
0: Getting back to the idea of hell, uh, I don't want to make light of the suffering in hell, but I once saw uh, a sign that said something to the effect of, it's hotter than hell out today. And then it said, no, it really isn't. (laughs) When you think about that. You can laugh. It's true. It's true. It says here at the end of uh, verse 9 that Satan is described as the one who leads the whole world astray. So I guess we we talked about why he does that what what is what he's after he's competitive and and you know he's after souls to be with him to be with him in hell and he's very good at that he's very good at going after souls uh, do we do we underestimate his ability to do that
2: I think we do Mark I think oftentimes we do you know, the devil, the deceiver, or Satan, the accuser. You see how he works in both those, those different ways, trying to deceive us. And one of the big deceptions is God can't be trusted. God doesn't know what's best for you. You name the sin and you think about how the devil gets us to think, the twisted rationale and reasoning that we come up with to do something that we shouldn't do. And, uh, and then when we do it, then the devil's the accuser, you know, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that, you know, it makes us feel, uh, feel guilty about it. And for us as Christians, uh, our new person of faith, uh, there's, there's guilt when we do things we know are not God's plan for us. And so do we underestimate the devil? Speaking for myself? Yeah, I know we do. I'm positive we do. Uh, we just don't because uh, it's hard to put a, a finger on him it's not something that I can I can see or I can touch or anything like that so I'm wondering if we don't dismiss at times his ability to influence us and with other people uh, things in all our culture things in music all the all the ways that the devil uses to try and just influence influence us in in small subtle ways. You know, we even mentioned false teaching before, uh, so I think we can never be you can never be on lookout enough because he's always always prowling. You know, just sort of waiting, waiting to find that weak moment, that weakness, and and looking to strike.
0: Is this a fair statement? As much as God wants me in heaven. Every bit as much, the devil wants me in hell. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know
2: why uh, there would be any. It is a. It is a fierce competition for souls. I think it's Definitely. healthy
0: to think about that.
2: Yeah, and understanding what is the devil's ultimate motive—not just to get me to trip up uh, and damage my relationship with God, but ultimately to end my relationship with God
0: and i guess i guess the reason i say it's healthy to think about that is because when we do think about that at least as i think about that it it makes me more than ever want to cling to jesus or have him cling on to me and i think too i was thinking mark as you were
2: saying that i was just thinking about repentance that cycle of repentance that truly appreciating and understanding the devastating nature of sin on my relationship with Jesus, in my relationship with others, and that true, genuine sorrow for sin. And then, like you said, clinging to the forgiveness that Jesus won for me. And then change, that change of heart, that change of mind, honestly working hard, to combat whatever the temptation or sin happens to be that that is the cycle for us as christians to really that genuine sorrow true appreciation and knowing i am forgiven and then wholehearted change going in a new direction
0: okay pastor well i know that you've got you've got plenty of work to do today you've got some boxes to pack and some boxes to move But can we bring you back and finish up this chapter? Sure, that'd be great. Okay, so we'll do that. And uh, folks, you'll hear that next week. Uh, We'll continue here with Pastor Shazer in Revelation chapter 12. So until then, folks, may God bless you and keep you.
1: Thank you for listening to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Our email address is impact at st-andrew-online.org. That's impact at st-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and pray for this ministry. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The better you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.